is the bullpen deep enough for something like that? And I just don't know. Welcome to the Mainline Podcast. I am Adam Jacquez. The whole gang's here, Tyler and Corbin. Boys, how are we? Doing great. Obviously, would have uh, had a little bit of a better day if the softball team would have played like number one team in the country. But besides that, can't complain, guys. Yeah, I was uh, I was having a pretty good day. Uh, work was off to a really good start. And once uh, about 12, 12.30 kind of came about, we ended up going into extra innings. Uh, outcome of that game kind of, you know, took a turn for the worst on the rest of the day's move. But uh, other than that, things are going good. Yeah, I mean, what, about... 36 hours ago, we were, as Sooner fans, looking at two teams potentially winning national championships. Uh, Golf, the first one, uh, they are out there, the runner-up, but still a great performance there. And then softball, man, not not the best start that you could ask for there. But let's go ahead and and start with golf, get that one out of the way. Um, I didn't have a whole lot of chance to watch that one, so I'll turn this over to you guys. Um, Give us the update there from golf. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if anybody's been paying attention to the Golf Channel over the course of the last week, um, OU was competing for the national championship, um, was able to work their way through uh, multiple different stages of match play and finally put themselves in a position where they were going up against Pepperdine. Late yesterday afternoon, I thought, you know, OU um, played extremely well. You know, Ryan Hibble's got to be proud of his guys for the success that they had this year, fighting all the way until the end. And ultimately, you know, as well as they played, they just came up against a Pepperdine team that once the once they made the turn going into the back nine uh, yesterday afternoon, I mean, their, their short game was absolutely incredible. It seemed like they were making anything and everything once they got to the green. So it wasn't as though OU played bad. Pepperdine just took it away from them. So hats off to them on an incredible year. Um, and, you know, we, we talked about the impact that, that Ryan Hibble's having on this program. You know, some of the super seniors like we had with Quade Cummins obviously didn't play his best golf yesterday, but he's been a, you know, a true pillar within the Oklahoma men's golf program over the last five, six years. And, you know, seeing him, the success that we saw from Logan McAllister, two aces at one tournament, hell of a job, fantastic. I don't know how many times that's ever been done before. Uh, and like I said, um, the, the men's golf program, sad way to, to see the season wrap up yesterday, obviously finishing as national runner up, but, I mean, you, as an OU fan, you've got to be super excited about the status of the men's golf program. As long as Ryan Hibble uh, is the head coach here in Norman, fans are going to have got to be excited about the direction of this program. Yeah, and we, we forget that, you know, opening round of NCAA tournament, this team almost had to pull off a miracle just to make the cut. Um, they realistically probably shouldn't even have moved on. And yet, you know, here they are with the chance to win another national championship. And you're right, Tyler, like hats off to Pepperdine. They just, they just played better that day. Um but just a gritty, gritty performance, not only um, yesterday, but also on Tuesday uh, in the in the first match play, just um, just gritty all the way around. So got to be proud of the golf team. Uh, would love to have seen them win another national championship, but I, I don't think we'll be waiting too much longer for uh, for another one of those. I guess it's a little bit easier to to take the loss in golf simply because you really can't watch that sport. It's it's a very hard sport to follow throughout the regular season, even into several rounds of the postseason. It's it's very difficult because it wasn't really on TV until basically the very end. So I don't know. That's not really a consolidation or a uh, consolation prize, I guess, but um, still a great finish, great year for golf, and uh, pretty excited for, for where that's going to go. Uh, the other championship team in play right now is softball. 
Um, I was able to watch most of this game, uh, but there was a ton of people in the stands down in Oklahoma City. And uh, the 11 a.m. slot, you know, playing the the only unranked seed, I believe, uh, still left in the field, and James Madison, and the Sooners couldn't pull it out. Uh, Corbin, what did you see? I think you were able to watch the most out of any of us. What did you see as the biggest reason that uh, OU wasn't able to, to take game one here? Yeah, I think Georgia is unranked too. Um, I think there, there's two in there, but um, they just didn't look the same, guys. Uh, this is, you know, exactly kind of what we were afraid of when it come, came to the World Series time is you face a hot pitcher and the bats go silent. And this is exactly what kind of our fear was that we've been talking about over the past month. Um, we just hadn't seen it come into play yet. And so honestly, and, and you guys will agree as much as you watched, Shannon Zale pitched great. She had two bad pitches the entire day, but when the bats go cold in a series like this in the Women's College World Series, that is all it takes to lose a ball game. Um, and so, you know, I think they'll bounce back. I mean, talk about having an uphill battle. I'm going to have to win twice on Saturday, going to have to win twice on Sunday. And realistically, if everything plays out now, I know UCLA and Florida State's playing right now. If everything plays out the way it should. That means you're probably going to have to beat UCLA twice just to get to the championship series um, because the way the brackets are. And if they, if they win both games on Saturday, um, they're going to switch over to the other side of the bracket, just like the other side will. Um, so I'm not overly confident guys. This team has the most talent in the world when it comes to when they step in that batter's box and defensively, it is just the pitching four games in two days, a must win scenario in all of them. Um, is the bullpen deep enough for something like that? And I just don't know. I really don't. I don't know if you can guarantee that the pitching can be um, as dominant as it needs to be. So I hope I'm wrong. Um, I, I know I can be wrong. This team is talented enough to go win four games in two days, but uh, they did not do themselves any favor today by losing to James Madison. Well, the fact that they find themselves in the loser's bracket right now, they are going to have to – figure out a way to win four straight games in two days. The fact that they are going to get an off day tomorrow, that really helps out, you know, Shannon Sell, who I thought, you know, pitched fantastic. You mentioned her only having, you know, maybe two, three bad pitches. We, I, I had a chance to watch probably 85 to 90% of this game. And, is you know, we can critique, you know, a couple of errors that the OU defense made, you know, being a little bit out of character compared to what we've seen from them. Up to this point in the season, the pitching was fantastic from Shannon, but – Obviously, this OU team, they just ran into a buzzsaw. Odyssey Alexander probably pitched one of the best best games in women's college world softball history. I mean, she had everything going. Her rise ball was very effective. That was something that it seemed like over the course of the entire game, OU hitters were just never able to conquer that. They were truly ever never able to figure out how to get on top of it. That was an extremely effective pitch that she was able to use. And then we talked about kind of the off-speed stuff, the, the curveball. She was able to keep hitters off balance. Um, but no, I thought that she pitched fantastic. And like you said, we talked about it all year as, as competition got better and better. How was the OU pitching staff going to hold up? Well, you know, you look on message boards, you look on Facebook, you know, people are, you know, criticizing, you know, why did Patty not throw Nicole May? Why was G not out there? Why did you go with Shannon Sell? Shannon pitched a hell of a game. It wasn't the pitching that let us down today. The bats went cold. And when you find yourself into a, into a into a situation where the other team's able to score three, four, five runs, if your offense isn't clicking and firing on all cylinders, then today's uh, what's going to happen is exactly why, what showed up today in Oklahoma City. So, no, huge uphill battle that the, that they're going to have to overcome now, four games in two days. Sounds like they're going to have to beat not just Georgia tomorrow, but chances are you're going to have to play 
um, Oklahoma State or James Madison one more time. And then, like you said, Corbin, flip it over to the other side. If it plays out how we expect it to, you're going to be matched up against the, what's been the number two team in college softball all season long and having to beat them twice. So, um, obviously, don't count them out if there's any team, if there's any coach that can overcome this early loss to start the, the World Series play. It is Patty and the Sooners, but um, they've got their work cut out for them for sure. Yeah, I think if you look at just the statistics, Shannon Sale pitched probably a better game than Odyssey Alexander. Not to say that uh, Alexander didn't pitch a great game, but Sale was incredible herself. Uh, it really was just a couple pitches, but um, she gave up half the runs that Alexander did. Uh, she gave up uh, two fewer uh, walks than Alexander. So the opportunities were, were here for this Oklahoma team to really take advantage. And I, I don't know. I, some people say, you know, we shouldn't have been worried. And a lot of this talk was happening before the game, of course. But, um, you know, people shouldn't be worried about this Oklahoma team. They were right on track, just like we were in any other year that we're in the World Series. And I don't know. To me, it feels different. The construction of the team feels different than what it was in, in, in past years. And so that that made me pretty nervous. Even seeing in the games against Wichita State and Washington, where we still ended up run ruling those teams, we were in some real dogfights very early in those games where who knows which direction that goes. And I think that kind of just shows that this team can can really avalanche and snow pile, uh, I guess pile onto a specific team, even good pitchers like Washington had. But it can also go the other way as well, where you just get incredibly dry, you know, through a long period. I think that's one thing that maybe makes this loss more alarming um, is the fact that we didn't lose because of the pitching. Um, and how confident am I that in four games over the next two days that the pitching staff can come through and keep playing like this? If we can get that kind of performance, you know, I think the bats are going to come alive. But I thought if we were going to lose one, it's because we gave up seven, eight, nine runs in a game because the pitching staff wasn't there. We gave up four. That should be winnable every single time with the bats on this team. So in kind of a strange, you know, outer dimension thought process, it's almost like this is more alarming because the pitching was good and we still lost. And so we'll see how they bounce back. Well, and, you know, Jocelyn Allo, she reached base a couple of times. But, guys, other than the T.R. Jennings three-run home run, OU really wasn't able to get anything else going on offense throughout the rest of, or throughout the, rest of the game. And one of the things that I kind of took away, you know, Shannon pitched fantastic. But watching Odyssey Alexander, how did this girl end up at James Madison as good as she is? I mean, I think if you could, um, you know, ask 99% of the teams in the country, a lot of those teams would probably like to have this girl on their pitching staff. I know that I would. Being an OU fan, it would be fun to be able to add her uh, to, to the bullpen. But, no, um, like I said, uphill battle, a lot to overcome. Um, and got an off day tomorrow to get things going um, and come back on Saturday and be ready to fight. Yeah, 11 a.m. Saturday against Georgia. The loser is out. Uh, so it, it's must win there. And then after that point, OU would face the loser of James Madison in the Oklahoma State matchup. Uh, that is taking place tomorrow evening. So uh, a long road ahead of the Sooners. They've got to win out, uh, you know, in this loser's bracket. And then, like you mentioned, Corbin, probably facing a UCLA. Hopefully, potentially, maybe there's some upsets there and things can maybe fall a little bit better for the Sooners where they're not facing a UCLA or a Bama. But uh, and most likely, that's where it's going to head. So um, what is your confidence level? Where do you guys see this team being able to make it at this point? 
I'm not going to I'm not going to doubt him. Um, I mean, obviously we we've seen him we've seen him beat every team that's on their side of the bracket right now. We've seen him beat him with the exception of James Madison. Now today could be a one off. Again, if they line up tomorrow, I like OU's chances to beat them if they take the field. But uh, I, I'm not overly worried about it. We mentioned the fact that the pitching staff, we don't know what we're going to get from G. Patty's been extremely confident. Listen to her talk to the media over the last week, think that she's going to be back. If she is at her old self, then, yeah, I think that this team does have the pitching um, to go on a win streak here. And, guys, let's not forget, this has been the number one offense in college softball you know, all season long. Nobody's really been able to keep them down. Um, over the course of an uh, of an entire series, so I think that the bats will wake up, and the fact that um, you know you we were able to to see Nicole May have some confidence towards the end of the year, her come on and you know kind of be the ace going into the postseason play. The fact that we've got her uh, a healthy and fully ready G Shannon will be ready in a couple days to throw again. Um, I'm I'm pumping the brakes a little bit. I'm not overly concerned, but. I mean, this is the first time that a, a, a non-seeded team has beaten the number one ranked team since 2008. So not, not an ideal situation, but um, it's what we're it's what we got to deal with. It's kind of strange, guys, regardless of, of what plays out over the next couple of days, uh, whether OU wins a game, wins both games, they're going to be playing against teams that have beat them. Um, the three teams that have beat them this year are all on this side of the bracket. Um, and so it's really strange kind of how it played out that way. But Georgia can beat this team. They've done it. Oklahoma State can beat this team. They've done it. Obviously, James Madison can beat this team. They've done it. So I think the good news is, is coming off of a loss, even though the sample size is very small, this team has bounced back very, very well. Can they do that same thing on the biggest stage in women's college softball? We're about to find out on Saturday. But um, I my, my gut says is I bet Sunday beating either Alabama or UCLA twice it's going to be very, very, very difficult. It is possible, but that is going to be a huge challenge. Um, my gut says they probably get bounced on Sunday. I would love to be wrong, but if I'm a betting person, that's probably where I'd put my money on game three or four of these um, you know, four games over the weekend. That's probably where they get caught. If you want to save your pitching and give them some rest on Saturday – Let's let the bats come alive and let's run rule at least one of those games. You know, save yep. a couple innings for for you know one if not both of those pitchers in those games on Saturday. But no, it's a it's a one game approach. Um, do anything and everything you can to survive, regardless of who you have to throw out there, uh, both on the mound and positional players as well. But no, um, we it, it's the best coaching staff in America. If there's a way to do it, Patty will figure it out, and then it's on the girls to execute it come this weekend. Honestly, Tyler, even just the the mentality of run ruling a team, I think would be really, really big. Um, getting, even though they, you know, had a, had a three run home run, like they got shut down all day, all day. Um, so uh, yeah, get out there against Georgia Saturday morning, do what you did against James in game two in Athens earlier this season, run rule them, get it over with, get your confidence back, head in to probably play. Um, I mean, maybe James Madison can win again. I mean, if, if Odyssey pitches like that, Goodness gracious. Um, but I would imagine you're probably, you know, playing James Madison Saturday night to redeem yourself. Well, you talked about how both Georgia and Oklahoma State have figured out a way to beat us. Well, vice versa, we've run ruled both of those teams. So that is a possibility. That is something that can happen this weekend. Yeah, it's a tough road ahead. I mean, four games in two days, uh, two each on Saturday and Sunday. That's really going to test the strength of this team, especially the pitching staff. Uh, I'm really pulling for OSU to, to beat James Madison. I'd much rather play James Madison again, knowing that 
you know, we have the better athletes across the board. Let's take our chances, uh, you know, second time around seeing Odyssey Alexander on the mound. I don't want to be in a position where Oklahoma State can eliminate OU. I, I do not want that. Uh, as an OU fan, knowing who we have to live next to uh, here in Oklahoma. So I don't want that to happen at all. I'm, I'm 100% with you. Uh, just for the sake of bragging rights alone and having to hear about it, OSU in a, in a one game off, OSU can absolutely beat this team. If you get into a, a three-game series, I feel much more confident. Uh, if, we, we, if we face the Pokes in you know the World Series final, I feel great. In a one game, anything can happen, and I'd rather lose to James Madison twice than to get kicked out by the Pokes. Yeah, I mean, there would be some memes and some jokes, but uh, I mean, that would die off after a while. So the road is tough ahead. I mean, this team has put themselves behind the eight ball, uh, but uh, I think if any team can work their way back, it's it's OU for sure. Let me ask you guys this. Um, you're looking at a pitching staff right now. Obviously, you've got to play Georgia. You've got to beat Georgia on Saturday to advance. Then, like you said, you're looking at either Oklahoma State or James Madison. From a pitching standpoint, on Saturday, if you're Patty, do you go with a veteran in G. Juarez who has been in this position before, she's taken that field, or do you ride the hot hand in the youngster, the true freshman, Nicole May? Sale. Put her yeah. back out there. Yeah, I feel the same way. She's got some rest. The fact that she didn't roll G out today, which I thought was the perfect opportunity to do that, makes me wonder what's going on there. So, yeah. I, I Interesting. You go, you go sale in May. In a perfect scenario, you go sale in May on Saturday, I think. Um, and that, I think you run, you do the same thing on Sunday. I mean, these girls going through high school and college, they're used to pitching multiple games in a day or, or a, you know, a game on Saturday, game on Sunday. So that's not new to them. Their arms can handle it. Yeah. And it's not Odyssey Alexander for James Madison. She's not really coming off that mound unless, you know, people are hitting her. Uh, so She's going to pitch pretty much every opportunity there is. It's it's doable. It's not ideal, but um, certainly possible. So, uh, well, let's let's move on to everyone's favorite segment. It's our number one rated segment. It is baseball time uh, in Oklahoma. Well, I guess technically baseball is completely over. No postseason at all. I think we've got about four or five guys that have already uh, entered the transfer portal. So very much making up to be make or break year for uh, Skip Johnson going into uh, next season in 2022. Uh, I think we could very well see a few more transfers as well. It could be a lot of guys coming in kind of similar to what we've seen from the men's basketball program. Uh, but I, I don't know, not looking great going in. I do want to highlight though, Tyler Hardman uh, did get second team all American today. Great for him. Kind of a bummer that we wasted that. So that is your baseball update. To wrap things up tonight, we will jump into football talk. But before we do that, I do want to remind everyone and ask everyone, jump into Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review. Only jump in there if you want to give us a five-star review and give us some feedback in addition to following us on Twitter at the mainline pod one. And so not a ton going on for football right now, but I think the main focus for everyone is the running back position. And a new name has appeared in the transfer portal, which is Cavantre Bradford uh, out of LSU. I don't know if you guys want to just give us a little background here on, on what we know so far about Bradford and the likelihood that uh, it's going to come to OU. I mean, it seems like all but a done deal, right guys? I mean, 
Byerly 08 or whatever his, his username is on Sooner Scoop is his dad, I think. What uh, I think. Believe so, yeah. Yeah, and he's you know hinted the the winky emoji face and uh, and all that stuff. So um, I think all of us here agreed that we needed one more body um, and hopefully a talented body uh, to come into this running back room. And I think that's what we've got. I don't know a ton about about him. I think he had limited action at LSU uh, last season, but um, a four star kid out of what Lancaster, right? Lancaster, yeah. Yeah. Um, take that any day of the week. Uh, if you can get a pipeline deeper into one of the bigger schools, um, more talented high schools in Texas, got to take that risk. So um, he should have at least two years on campus, you would think. Uh, and so, yeah, I think that's 100% a take. And it sounds like all but a done deal to kind of fill one of the question marks of this team moving forward. And that's the depth of the running back room. And I think this does help get Mikey Henderson back to the H-back role, which all of us agree is a much better fit than him being a running back. It's kind of an interesting position that Lincoln Riley and DeMarco Murray kind of find themselves out in right now because obviously Champion Barbecue coming up, you've got two big-time running back recruits that are coming in. Obviously, we know Eric Gray. He has a chance to go to the NFL next year. If he has the type of year that we expect him to have, Kennedy Brooks all but sure he's gone after this season. And then essentially, if you uh, even including Mikey Henderson, you've got two scholarship running backs uh, on school uh, on campus going into next year. So you do run the risk of maybe pissing off or kind of rubbing an incoming recruit the wrong way if you do bring in another guy from the transfer portal. Um, but kind of like what we've talked about, 2021 having this year circled, you've got to go for it. you got to go for it right now. So um, one of the things that Lincoln's always talked about is, you know, we don't just want to bring somebody in that's going to, you know, just a warm body to take up space. If we are going to bring somebody into that room, it's going to be somebody that can come in and contribute in a big way. So um, having a guy like Bradford, it's been a, obviously if he's going to play at LSU, he's going to play for played Oklahoma. He did have a receiving touchdown last year in the LSU Florida game. Uh, but no, I, I like his film. I think if he comes in, he does have a, uh, a chance to contribute, get some carries and, like I said, this is a this is a position that we've had some concerns about to go along with the offensive line. If you can bring him in, um, I think that all, but you know, that, that doesn't completely wipe away my worries for that position. But you've got to feel much much better about Demarco Murray's room going into this season. He had an interesting year at LSU last year. Not uh, you know a ton stat wise. He did start the final game of the year against Ole Miss, but. I know he was a true freshman. We also saw true freshman Seth McGowan get quite a few carries at the beginning of the season, even in the bowl game, uh, contributed quite a bit, uh, whereas Bradford really didn't do a whole lot at LSU, despite seeing some injuries on the depth chart ahead of him. I still think he's got a ton of talent. His his high school film looks awesome. He's Beats a her. Bit, yeah, he's a little bit of a taller uh, running back. He's six foot. He's honestly, when I watched his film, I see a little bit of a DeMarco Murray in there. I think he's got a faster burst potentially, but he's got that long stride where it looks like he's not really moving all that fast, but he actually is. So yeah, again, like you don't just want a body at running back. You want someone that actually can contribute. So I think, I think he can be that type of guy. And I do like that. He's got some eligibility left because that running back room is going to be pretty empty after this season. If all things go according to plan.
Well, and even talking about this season, you can go all the way back to 2017, Baker's final year. I mean, we remember the uh, it was one or two games where we lost multiple running backs to injury, and you had to move Dimitri Flowers from the H-back room over to running back to play against Iowa State. So if there's one position group that you can lose some guys in a hurry with the amount of, uh, you know, the amount of trauma and the amount of contact that they take, it's definitely the running back position. So if he wants to come on board or maybe the, the kid from Alabama that just entered the portal, if they want to come, um, our, our arms are wide open. Let's go. There yeah. Go. And I think nice you just, reference. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think you look at this, at a guy like Bradford, essentially as a replacement for Seth McGowan, same class uh, as far as eligibility remaining. He actually was ranked slightly higher in rivals. Uh, he was uh, the number 11 back and a number 151st overall player. It is I guess uh, Ghost of Jay Bullware still haunting us, but uh, a little bit odd that he didn't really get an offer or much of a look from OU, considering there certainly seems to be some OU fans in his family. So interesting thought there that uh, he wasn't very highly recruited, but did take LSU over Ohio State. So, you know, obviously has some talent and was getting some looks from some big-time programs. Guys, I think that's going to be a big thing moving forward is to – continue to recruit guys that aren't takes with what's happening in the transfer portal, building the relationship that a guy may transfer out of a school a year or two later, I think is actually going to be really important. It's going to change how recruiting's done. Um, the running back room may be full, you know, in a hypothetical situation, but you may have to keep recruiting guys just in the sense of like, until they sign, you might as well just keep building that relationship in the case that a year, two years, three years down the line, they find themselves in the transfer portal and those months and years of building that relationship prior to their commitment, that's going to start to come into play. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how some of that stuff plays out. Well, I think a perfect example of that is look at a guy like Keyshawn Lawrence. I mean, a guy that OU recruited heavily coming out of high school, built a really good relationship with. Obviously, he made the decision to go to Tennessee when that didn't work out. He had such a good relationship with the guys back here in Norman that that was an easy transition to where once he entered the portal, it was an instantaneous that he wanted to come play for Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma. So yeah, even if you don't get a guy coming straight out of high school, whether you know it's not a committable offer or he chooses to go to a different program, having those good relationships with mom and dad and the player uh, in question, uh, I think that that's going to pay a huge dividend since the transfer portal is changing the way the recruiting is going to be done uh, for, for, for the foreseeable future. All signs pointing to Cavantre Bradford joining the Sooners shortly, which really shores up that running back position. So uh, I think you'd have to look at that and say, yeah, that's good there. I, I think offensive line, there's not really much you can add from, you know, a just getting personnel uh, on the field there. I mean, all the guys are there from a running back perspective or sorry, from an offensive line perspective. You just need those those groups to gel. So maybe maybe you add another receiver, but is there any other position group that you guys are looking at and saying, "Hey, we need to some see some some new guys in this particular area"? I can't think of any. That was the last big question where I thought we needed another body, another talented body. Now, are there questions about will people in this current roster, these position groups, will people step up like we hope they will? Yes, there's still questions out there that need to be answered and time's only going to be able to answer that. But I think as far as bringing in another body on a transfer portal, there's nothing that screams a need. Now, if it's the right fit at the right time, if it's especially uh, in the trenches, D-line or O-line, and there's a talented guy, go get them. 
right? Like you can never have enough bodies on either side of that football. Um, so that would probably be the only one I think you'd take a shot on. But guys, it feels like for as far as people transferring in, improving this roster, we're kind of set. Um, Tyler, your thoughts? The only other position group that I had some question about coming out of spring football was the wide receiver position, obviously losing Trajan Bridges. But we filled that position with Mike Woods coming from Arkansas, a guy that I think is going to be able to come in and contribute right away, um, a guy that could be, I think, a, uh, a better version of Charleston Rambo. He's the deep threat. He's got the speed. He's a little bit more shiftier out in space. He can, you know, he can make the cuts left and right. Uh, but no, I think you're. I think you're right, Corbin. I think that going into this year, if you do add Cavontre Bradford into that running back room, I think that all the pieces, even though there's some position groups that um, they're going to kind of have to play themselves out, there's a lot of depth at all those positions. Just kind of let the guys get some reps early on in the season, uh, and those position battles will work themselves out. But no, I like the makeup of this team, and I think going into 2021, getting that running back room. Uh, with, with one more addition, I think that all the pieces are in play for OU to make as good of a run in a national championship as we've seen in quite some time. Is there a concern about Marcus Major transferring out? Well, that was going to be my follow-up was I think, you know, receiver, you, you feel okay with what you have there, but we, we're seeing guys enter the transfer portal, you know, every week still. And I think that's going to continue all the way up, maybe even to first couple of weeks of, of fall training camp in August. So, you definitely have to keep your eyes open, your ear to the ground as far as, you know, who's coming available and definitely knowing what's on your roster and who might be looking around because you never know when someone like a Marcus Major is going to you know, bounce or someone totally unexpected somewhere else. So um, I, I definitely think uh, you keep those lines of communication open for sure. Adam, is it just rumored right now or is it confirmed that Cavantre Bradford is, is going to be a part of this program? It's about as strong of a rumor and scuttlebutt as you can have, I okay. guess, about it being. And so, so ex- explain to me what all's going on because I haven't, like I said, I've been kind of lazy in in terms of when it comes to message board and following some of that stuff. So, like, what what's kind of going on? So, he's got a dad that is a diehard OU fan. He's a scooper. What what's going on? Is it dad or uncle, Adam? I, I believe it's his dad um, yeah. who's been providing a lot of information on some of the message boards, and basically, there's there's a lot of OU fans. I don't know if. What, what ties exactly they have to OU. But um, I know that just from some of the things that we've seen on there, that Cavantre really wanted to take a look at OU coming out of high school, and OU really wasn't interested, uh, which it feels like that should be something that, you know, the recruiting office should know about um, and at least have some visits, some relationships there, and, and have a, a bridge built, um, you know, later for later on down the road, even if you really truly thought Seth McGowan was the better option at that point. I I was one other thing that I was kind of thinking about when you mentioned, if he does come on board, is that for somebody like Marcus major into the transfer portal is, do we know the date or the deadline where like the absolute last day that players can enter the transfer portal or. I don't think there's a deadline. I I mean, they can do it whenever they want. Okay. I mean, it, there's some deadlines as far as schools go and when they can get enrolled somewhere else, but that's probably different from university to university. I didn't know if that was something very similar to what we've seen coaches do in the past, especially with quarterbacks transferring, like waiting as long as possible before making something official. That way it essentially, you know, it's kind of kind of a bad way to look at it, essentially locks the kid into where he doesn't have a choice 
but to come back and play for your team for another year. So, uh, but no, that that's going to be something fun to follow. Um, hopefully, he makes the decision to join OU. I, and honestly, I don't really know of any other schools that he's interested in. Yeah, well, the best way to lock someone in is tell Austin Kendall he's got as good a shot as Kyler Murray to win the, the starting quarterback job. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's uh, definitely something the coaches will have to balance in uh, in practice. So, uh, well, uh, I think that's probably a good place to, to wrap things up for the evening. Uh, thank you for listening. You are our favorite listener. You have every chance to be the starting listener every single week. So continue to come back. Don't transfer. Uh, stay with us. And uh, we will see you again here next week on the Mainline Podcast.